0: all right everyone huh i said you didn't want to start recording at the time that you were saying i hate you and love you <laughs> okay here's the thing
1: listeners when someone takes a picture that's so beautiful that you are like i'm glad you're so beautiful and i love that you're so beautiful but i want to be as beautiful as you are in that picture so i'm also kind of jealous that's what i was feeling so find julie on instagram i'm sure she'll post this picture I say, well now i have to yeah
0: because
1: <laughs> Gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Um,
0: all right, everyone, welcome to Historical
1: Shade, Um, the podcast where Julie and I tell some fun, shady topics in history. Uh, we are not historians, uh, nor, I don't know, do you know everything about history? I just lost steam, like, halfway through this sentence. Um, I watched it happen. <laughs> so I was skating on carpet slides today, and I am not six years old anymore, and I felt like pretty hard if you times. um so if anyway about the podcast if we say anything <laughs> <laughs> that we need correcting correct us let's have a dialogue
0: let's discuss
1: and also I'm sitting on a yoga ball and sometimes my boots rub against it and make a weird noise so if you hear it that's what's <laughs> happening um, if you
0: hear it just know that that's the moment Laura's farting yeah it's just farts everywhere
1: no I don't I don't do it my dog doesn't fart. Anyway, that's a different podcast, but <laughs> he doesn't. Um, all right, Julie, are you ready to hear my shade?
0: I am, and I, okay. I just realized I don't know what it is. You oh my be God. Like a, I gave you nothing. Pig. So my shade,
1: so uh, this will premiere after Christmas, but we're currently recording during the Christmas season, is that I've been researching companies that I use a lot and just like companies that I know because I don't know their origin stories. I don't know what they actually do, um, et cetera, and so forth. And so I don't know how this happened, but I um, went down a rabbit hole of different companies and their weird origins. So, Julie, do you know about Oneida flatware?
0: Like, I mean, I've heard of them.
1: Okay. So that's my shade today. My shade is to people who give this as a wedding gift. So I, Oneida, or uh, I think it's Oneida, Limited is an American manufacturer of tableware and cutlery. It is one of the world's largest designers and sellers of stainless steel and silver-plated cutlery and tableware for the consumer and food service industries. So a lot of people, these are like they have higher brand stuff, but a lot of people get like, they have like a $24 six people set that like everybody puts on their wedding registry. And in the sixties, it was like the thing to buy was your of cutlery because it's American made. So my, um, sources for today are WBUR.org, which Julie just used in one of her previous shades, uh, Britannica.com and Gawker.com. So a little bit about the um, cutlery itself. Uh, so the company arose out of the utopian Oneida community, which was established in Oneida, New York in 1848. Um, was, and it was founded by a small group of Christian perfectionists led by John Humphrey
0: Noyes. Wait, is Christian perfectionist like a, a sect of religion? Or you say, like are there just like people who are perfectionists that also happen to be Christian? um it's a religious faction oh okay
1: yeah yeah i mean they probably also felt like they were perfectionists um and then so they became common property as a joint stock company in 1881 so they began out of this community this flatware company and then became public in 1881 um and in 1935 um the Oneida Community changed its name to Oneida Limited, which is now what the company is called. So I'm going to talk about Christian perfectionists and what it means. So Christian perfectionism is the name given to various teachings within Christianity that describe the process of achieving spiritual maturity and perfection. So the ultimate goal of this process is union with God, characterized by pure love of God and other people, as well as personal holiness and sanctification. So there are different ways to get this sanctification. um, And we're going to talk about the way that the Oneida community believed in. And also, ladies and gentlemen, this is Historical Shades' first cult. Yay! (laughs) Um, So... John Humphrey, and Karen, my yeah, just so listen
0: proud of
1: us right now. I'm actually very surprised that I had restraint to hold off till around the <laughs> 20th century. So um, so John Humphrey Noyes, the the guy who founded this cult, um, had uh, been a part of the religious conversion during a revival in 1831 when he was about 20 years old. So in the 1830s, 1820s, there was a lot of um, you, uh, you had Lutheranism, you had Catholicism, you had Presbyterian, and it started to create all these different factions. So he had this major revival in 1831. Um, he used to be uh, a part of law studies and he attended Andover Theolo- Theological Seminary and Yale Divinity School. Um, and he started preaching the doctrine of perfectionism. The idea that um, after conversion, one was free of all sin. So after you gave um, your life to Christ, you had no sin anymore. Um, I have some thoughts about that, but it's- <laughs> um, oh, you can just do no wrong. Okay, that's weird.
0: Like uh, no sin ever, or like like it's like re- virginizing yourself, like you like re- Please, um, wait, no more sin until the next time we commit a sin and no no then, no ever oh okay yeah
1: yeah um so he was also convinced uh that the second coming of christ was um not an event of the future but was actually going to occur within their generation which is um the movie that i made it's actually the exact same time frame and the exact same like oh christ is coming during our <laughs> lifetime so like Let's live it up right now. But they're a lot different. So um, he believed that, uh, so so right now um, his his beliefs are actually not that crazy. It's like, okay, that's a religion. That's like a separate. It's until this point that he starts to gain a little bit more traction and people start to follow him. Uh, He had some interesting ideas concerning sex that made him rather notorious. Because he believed that um, sex was very important and thought monogamy was actually a pretty bad idea. That women and men shouldn't belong to one other person. That God gave you your body to share with as many people as you want. So,
0: yep. (laughs) So So it was like partially yawning and partially like, feeling (laughs) vomiting it was a very free love uh
1: view so with that in the 1840s he started to gain a lot of um followers because people like oh free love yeah 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 uh another part of his doctrine was he did believe that women in theory we'll talk about it a little bit he said that women were equal to men so actually the women since everyone listened to our last episode it's very uh connected women actually wore pants in the 1840s in this commune so if you look at them up it's like women in like these very civil war type tops and then pants at the bottom it's pretty cool. um he also believed that the extended family system was the way to dissolve selfishness so when women had kids the kids would stay with their mother till they were able to walk and then they'd be put into this giant nursery so your kid wouldn't necessarily be your kid, it would be the society's child. So yeah. people do love saying it takes a village. It did well, and they believed it. So the community had about a hundred or about two hundred people in it um, at the very beginning, and it kept growing and growing and growing. And it was a very organized community. So it was organized into 48 departments that carried um, on various activities. And then it had 21 committees. The women worked uh, along with the men and they had their hair cut short and wore trousers. So very like looked, the women looked very different than all the other women in this time. Um, Where it starts to get weird is they believe that free love was great and amazing. And everyone should have sex with everyone else. Um, But, they, the sexual relations themselves were strictly regulated. So, um, I'll talk about that in a second. And when it came to repot, like population, Mm -hmm. they were very, um, only certain people were allowed to have sex with certain people and actually make a baby. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so the first thing that pops into my mind, since you know, birth control didn't come out till like the late '50s, is how did all of these women <laughs> sleep with multiple partners uh, without any pregnancy? So, when the community was um, going, noise, uh, the guy who created it, um, controlled the population by creating a birth control program called male continence, aka withdrawal,
0: pulling out. i mean to be fair when you first sort of like set up that like here i'm about to introduce how they i was like how does the silverware tie into this and i was like really scared about like what people were doing with spoons oh no 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 that was just a side business is that they had
1: they created this like silverware empire while this is all going on at the same time um So, Noyes said that the sexual act should be like a boat in a stream above a waterfall. That through experience and training, a skillful boatman could learn the wisdom of confining his excursions to the region of easy rowing, um, unless he has an object in view that is worth the cost of going over the falls. So basically, if a man was a skillful enough sex partner, he could pull out before getting a woman pregnant. Not only that, men were not allowed to ejaculate during sex, but they also weren't allowed to masturbate in this community. So,
0: When you say they're not allowed to ejaculate during sex, do you mean like they can't finish or like they can't ejaculate in the women because of the birth control. They weren't supposed to finish. huh
1: that's a lot of blue balls. Yeah. So there's blue balls everywhere.
0: And also no consideration for the women.
1: Yes, exactly. So there is a lot of like women are equal to men, but it, it does become very, very regimented. Um, and then on a more like... I'm going to give a little bit of a trigger warning on a more sinister note um the free love part of it wasn't exactly um free uh, so a lot of it like i said it was very regimented who actually paired with who to create new children and so some of that was not what either person wanted it was what the leader wanted so if the leader said you two need to create a baby, those people had no say in it. And they would have to copulate and reproduce. So there's all this like free love, free love, except for these other things where you have to make a baby. Um, and then also in contemporary eyes, um, there was a lot of underaged statutory rape involved as well, because what happened was there are people who were old enough that joined to their own free will. They had children, the kids were raised. And now the kids, because they're just in this community now have to be a part of this system. So by 12 or 14, when they're old enough, quote unquote, to have sex, like physically, they are now put into the system where, and if they want, like if there's a 14 year old girl that has enough spiritual, bonafide, you know, they, they see her as like, she will be great to propagate with someone else. Um, then a 14 year old could be having sex with a 60 year old. I'm sorry. Did you say 60 or 16? 60. Like it just, it was whatever. Yeah, exactly. So there was no, it was all who noise wanted to put together. So with that hostility started to mount in the surrounding communities um, when it came to these um, arrangements. So in 1879, they abandoned the system and then Noyes moved to Canada and began a socialist organization um, there. And he died in Canada in 1886. So then the remaining rem- members set up the joint stock company, Oneida Community Limited, which carried on the various industries, particularly manufacturer of flatware oh my gosh so um yeah so that's my little shade around that so um ellen whalen smith who is a descendant of john humphrey Noyes, and so a recent descendant wrote a book called and i just ordered it um my my ipad keeps flipping oneida free, free love utopia to a well-set table. So I'm going to read, um, a little bit of an excerpt for you, uh, and then buy her book if you so want to listeners. So, uh, Terza Miller liked to have sex, a typical (laughs) anecdote from the diary of this niece of John Humphrey Noyes and a member of his exclusive inner circle recounts an impromptu romantic encounter with her on-again, off-again lover, James Herrick. One day while wearing his favorite white dress, he calls me his little bride in it, Terza and Herrick were caught during a rainstorm in the community business office. There was a wonderful glow and ache between us. Terza later (laughs) rhapsodized in her journal. He all aflame, we hurried to the house, and then he wanted me to come to his room. Ecstasy. And that was her uh, diary. So Turza was, by many accounts, the most sexually sought-after woman in the community. That she was a powerful social magnet, as the community elder commented of her, there can be no doubt. Terza's diary is littered with bewitched men, broken hearts, and sulking lovers caught in the snares of sticky love. The most glowing testimony to Terza's sexual magnetism comes from John Humphrey Noyes himself, his, her uncle, who saw Terza as both a sexual and political ally within the community. That's her uncle, with his unswerving instinct for coining the most vividly awkward sexual metaphors. Noyes once. Commented to Terza that women's differing degrees of prowess in bed resembled the difference in music produced by a grand piano and a ten penny whistle <laughs> terza's own efforts in the arena of making social music he categorized as sublime. I'm doing a lot of air quotes um, coming from a man
0: comfortable yeah
1: yeah. Coming from a man who saw sexual ecstasy as a path to achieving union with God, this was high praise indeed. So the thing about, um, and then it continues on because that's the rest of the book. But the thing about the book that's really cool, and I'm excited to read about it, and it's by Ellen Wayland-Smith, is that she is a descendant of noise. And she started researching because she always knew that in Oneida, the community, and I actually talked about it with my mom because she's visited the museum they don't talk about the bad stuff or like the weirdness of it. They're like free love for all. And that's it. And so, and also look at all this industry. Yay. So she grew up in the community where they celebrated, like, look at this industry, look what they brought to us. And whenever she was like 14 or 15, she goes, like she says that a light snapped on and she goes, Oh wait, were my ancestors in a cult? (laughs) And so she starts digging and digging. So she, it, it comes from a place of like, wait, what? What? And she has all the diaries from her ancestors so she can go through and actually get firsthand accounts of uh, the craziness that happened there. So that's my story of Oneida. So next time you pick up a spoon. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, it's funny because, you know, we talk about like um, you know 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 where your product comes from know what the company's using and all that and this is like yeah. such an extreme example yeah. like and like at least now it's like far removed where like the cult doesn't exist but like yeah. I'm just picturing like these housewives that are like getting married and like Oneida is the thing to get and I'm like a sex cult made your silverware mm-hmm a sex cult made your silverware which, is that redundant? Like, isn't at the end of the day, every cult comes down to, like, sex?
1: Um, so the Harmonists, the ones that we did the movie about, was, like, yes, because they were, they believed in, um, like, chastity. Like, they believed, like, no, but no, like, celibacy. Like, nobody, because Christ is coming during our lifetime, so we don't want to ruin ourselves. So, like, the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Um view but it was that um no i think so here's there's like a big thing about what makes a cult a cult and like how you get in and how you get out and all that and i think if you don't have a means to escape that's a cult like that's my my big like either you've given them all your money so you can't leave either they've taken you from your family so you can't leave they've changed your appearance, you can't, like, if they've made it so this is your life, I feel like that's when it's a little crazy.
0: Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. Oh, so Julie, what's your future light? Um, okay, this is sort of like a, a light discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it might be superficial, but I don't care. I recently found out that um, kids' shoes, um, there's a kid's shoe size. That's the equivalent of, like, my women's shoe size. So, essentially, like, the shoe size you are, you can subtract Mm -hmm. one and a half. So, I'm a seven and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I just found out that I can get, like, Tom's and, like, all, all these other brands in a kid's shoe. Which is cheaper and also has, like, more fun things. yeah well so that, that is my like <laughs> that's my ridiculous like oh this is a cool thing because the other thing is like i got a pair of like little wedges yeah um but because they were kids they're like not really a wedge so it's just like a little bit of lift in your heel and that's all i want personally yeah like you don't, don't wanna... like yeah i don't actually want to wear heels i just want to be yeah. a little bit taller yeah Taller. i don't know the rest of the song so don't
1: no, I, I didn't even know that was a song. I was like, oh,
0: she's rhyming now. No, I was like, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. No. I wish I... <laughs> Wrong revolution.
1: <laughs> no, I just... um There's a forbidden Broadway of Les Mis where it's like, they say like, It takes place during the, it's during a recitative where it's like, it takes place during the French revolution, but not the big one, the little one that nobody knows anything about. (laughs) It's like, yep. Oh, what's mine? I think I'm excited. Oh, um, for Christmas, I got a compost bin and I love gardening. So I'm going to start composting while I garden. So it doesn't seem like, because this is January, it doesn't seem like that's a big thing now, but if you start your little seedlings in like February, so I can compost for like a month and a half, and I have just in time for my seedlings.
0: So I'm excited. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Congrats. We, we also compost, but we have like a, I don't want to say like we have a therbath, um, but we have someone that like we give them the compost because we we don't have a yeah. place to do that. So I- I'm excited by like all the things that I s- am seeing popping up in cities for like opportunities for like composting or cycling that's sort of like outside the box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I actually saw um, that there is a, so I, I used to run a bunch of races and I'm, I'm going to next year cause I loved it and I didn't do any this year. Um, but I was looking at what to do with a whole bunch of my race medals. Cause there are some that like your half marathons you want to keep, but there are a bunch of like, little ones here and there and there is a company called um metal for metal each one's spelled differently um but it's a company that takes your old medals repurposes them and gives them to sick children for like going through yeah right like just heartstrings for like for going through what they're going through and like they deserve a medal and they like
0: yeah i love that yeah. Oh, like, that's, that's really a cool. good
1: way to recycle. Like, and then these big races that have like sixty left at the end of the race, they can. I remember my friend Tony and I were in Philadelphia, and it was right after the Rock and Roll Marathon. I'm sorry,
0: did you say my friend? Like, she's also. Not... Oh yeah,
1: no, <laughs> just mine. She hates you. No, our friend Tony. <laughs> um, when we were in Philadelphia, they um, just finished the Rock and Roll Half Marathon, and like about four hours prior so they were like tear they were almost done tearing everything down and we were right by the um museum of art where like the rocky statue is and these people were like hey do you want a medal like a half marathon medal and we're like no we don't you have to run and earn that but they have so many of those left at the end of those races so that was just a really cool I was like that's that's a cool way to recycle some stuff that's just beautiful
0: yeah. I love that. I love that sort of like, it's not just recycling, it's repurposing and like thinking of creative ways to like be better for things.
1: Yeah. I wish there was a, a, something to do with your, I'm going to look it up and I'll talk about it next episode, but something to do with your old trophies that you get when you're like a kid and you get like a spelling bee trophy or like the stuff that doesn't matter when you're an adult. Yeah. There has to be something really nice to redo. If so, anyone knows, let us know. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening. Any, everybody, anybody, <laughs> thanks for listening. Anybody? No, everybody. Is there anybody out there? Can anybody? Hello? Hello? Oh my gosh. What if a voice came back? was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how horror films start. Oh my gosh. I was, um, I was on a zoom call uh, and, uh, their power went out, but their wi-fi didn't so i just saw like glowing eyes through the computer screen it was terrifying anyway thanks for listening everybody
0: bye, <laughs> bye. <laughs>